Hello and welcome to Creative Lives, the Lecture in Progress podcast. Lecture in Progress is an online resource that inspires and informs the next generation of talent by providing practical advice and insight into the creative industry. This podcast series features a broad range of people talking about what they do and how they got to where they are. Our guest this week is London-based director Oscar Hudson. Hi there, I'm Oscar Hudson and I'm a director of music videos, uh, short films, documentaries, commercials, all sorts. With tightly choreographed sequences and intricate sets, his films often feature mind-boggling physical effects that don't rely on post-production trickery. His shorts and documentaries have screened internationally and at the BFI London Film Festival. And he's also worked on commercials for brands such as Booking.com and Ikea. I think a busy director is probably doing well if they're doing kind of eight or nine projects a year, whatever that is. The reality of directing is that you spend very little time on set, probably the least time on set of any part of film production crew. Most of your time as a director is spent sat on a computer pitching on stuff, developing ideas, doing little sketches, trying to come up with stuff and responding to briefs. You'll often get a brief and they'll want to see an idea almost immediately. Usually you get it in 6 p.m. on a Friday and they need it by the Monday. And uh, you've got to be ready to go if you want to pitch on it. After pitching, you'll find out if you've won it. And then if you have, it's go, go, go. Oscar's work for music includes a multi-award winning video for Bonobo's track, No Reason, which earned the Best New Director Award at the UK VMAs and made the Saatchi and Saatchi New Directors Showcase. He's also made a gravity-defying video for Young Thug, a piece set entirely in an elevator for Radiohead, and a moody video for Young Fathers, making ingenious use of a military thermal camera. I've done a lot of these shoots that involve painstakingly uh, sitting at a monitor and trying to communicate to someone else exactly where an object needs to go and sort of to within a millimeter. We recently did a music video for Young Fathers that involved a military thermal camera. And the whole sort of thrust of that was that this camera has this incredible zoom capacity. And so we shot music video from the sort of top of a hill in Scotland from about 300 meters away from our subjects. And it was kind of all about like the distance and this idea of surveillance and sort of scanning around and the camera feeling like this kind of robotic thing. And that was a pretty mad setup. That was a strange bit of kit to work with because that really threw everybody outside of their normal working process and uh, forced us all to figure out this kind of strange new bit of awkward technology and strange, really difficult way of like communicating with your set. You know, when you spend the entire day 300 meters away, you didn't meet, you don't meet people who you're working with. There was like all sorts of crew who I didn't actually meet all day. You can see them but you can't shake their hand. I think I made my first music video in 2013. The music video landscape, it's not the same, of course, as it was back in its heyday in the 90s and the MTV era. I mean, all the money's gone, but it is sort of experiencing a sort of a little bit of a, a rebirth at the same time because music videos are becoming increasingly important and the people who commission them are realizing this more and more and the internet is obviously its capacity for holding video has been getting stronger and stronger and it's funny you forget sometimes that YouTube was only set up in like 2006 or something like that 
they've become a, a much more important part of a, an artist's kind of visual identity and you know that goes in tandem with cd sales and physical sales going out you don't have album artwork and stuff but the money hasn't gone back in the the funny flip side of the money disappearing is that the creativity and the amount of risks that people are willing to take has gone up tenfold you see all kinds of stuff that you would never see on mtv back in the quote-unquote heyday all kinds of really cool creative ambitious weird things being done and that's exciting and also again you know the internet as it does to every sort of corner of culture it touches just kind of democratizes all these processes and the the cost of cameras and and, and all of these things and the certain even just down to like the aesthetic standards of music videos i think it's exciting that more people can make stuff and more people can put stuff online and that that's exciting and that does drive creativity in a different way i came to film through skateboarding initially in the in skateboarding you film your friends skating that's what you do so i got a camera and started filming my friends and started making little skate videos and uh, that's how i learned to shoot and edit and i loved that and i really liked editing in particular and in my sort of teenage years maybe you know in that kind of uncertain way when you need an answer to a question you get asked all the time as a teenager i used to say i wanted to be an editor but then I uh, went to university, I studied anthropology, social anthropology at Sussex, which was great and which is a really useful course for all filmmakers, I think. I realized halfway through university that I didn't make stuff anymore. I was always, always been quite a creative person, making lots of art and drawing and sculpture and sketches, I don't know, all kinds of stuff. But I realized I wasn't making things anymore and it was this was around the time that DSLRs and 5Ds were kind of just arriving on the scene and I bought myself a kind of low-end you know dslr to start making stuff again with that idea in my mind and that was the beginning of it that's where i can sort of draw the first point on the continuum to now making that decision to spend a chunk of my student loan on a 550d and just trying to get anyone who would let me to make a film for them live sessions filming people's live shows i made a film for my friends student politics campaign i filmed skateboarding still I made some fashion film stuff. I did some just weird experimental documentaries. I kind of fell in with ID magazine doing little bits and bobs for them. And that was maybe the first little toehold into the kind of people who would then go on to give me more jobs. Suddenly the internet wanted video, which was new. It could support video. Cameras were cheap. And yeah, everybody wanted to put videos on their websites. And I feel like I was a beneficiary of that. It's just all sorts. It's whatever you can get, really. And the really important part about that is that I was able to make my living, you know, doing the same thing I wanted to do as my creative outlet. And also, like, I guess where I am now, like directing, I was able to be available for the good stuff, you know, working freelance all the time and using the same skill set that I want to, like, it's really important. And uh, when people ask me about, like, how do I become a director? That's really important is to try and carve out a situation for yourself that allows you to be available for when you get good opportunities coming along. If there's any way you can avoid getting a full-time job, that's probably really good. And um, like freelance video work or editing work or something like that is good. You know, those skills are really important to being a director and like 
also if you can just create that situation where you're able to support yourself without giving up all your time it's kind of essential in a way After working independently, Oscar first signed with an artist management company before joining Pulse Films. He tells us how this relationship plays out and the benefits of being represented as a director. I'd say that is the more usual setup for a director is to attach themselves to a production company who has a roster of directors um, who they look after and who most of the work that they'll be doing is then channeled through the production company. And, you know, in theory, it should be a mutually beneficial relationship because people will come to Pulse saying, can Oscar direct this? Or in other times, people will come to Pulse saying, who have you got that would be good for this? And they'll say, oh, Oscar can do this. So I bring them work and they bring me work and that's good for everyone. When, when it comes to maintaining a balance between the kind of work you're involved with, uh, the production company certainly does have a role in that they will be channeling a certain kind of work to you more than others, you know. And in truth, the, the production companies uh, will generally uh, send you more music video and commercial work rather than documentary and short film work. And so the impetus, no matter how big or successful you get, the impetus to create personal work, it always comes from you. And that's actually something that can be really difficult to keep perspective and a hold of uh, when people start offering you more and more opportunities um, to do things that are exciting. P part of the challenge is kind of, I guess, keeping some perspective on, on what it is you really do want to do. Once you've gotten over that first hurdle, maybe there's a lesson in, in, in the idea that that process shouldn't stop there. Once you've like, got your foot in the door, you still have to be the one initiating the direction that your career is going in. You don't necessarily get it handed to you. You have to be right careful about managing that side of things. Oscar describes his favorite parts of the filmmaking process, from writing a script to seeing it all come together. The best thing about being a director is getting to dream up something and see it happen. It is endlessly satisfying taking something that starts out as a sketch or a sentence on a piece of paper and fleshing it out into something real. And no matter how many times you do it, there is a surreal moment of magic when something that you saw in your head starts to become a physical thing, particularly when it's something very bizarre that involves a big set build and there's lots of people hammering away at something that you just drew on a piece of paper. It's very strange and very exciting. And that is great. I write my own scripts. That's my favorite bit of the process. The ideas making and the ideas generation and the coming up with stuff, that's the bit I really enjoy. That For me, that's the good bit. And I wouldn't want anyone else to do that. Lastly, Oscar shares his thoughts on the invaluable skills needed when directing and tips for aspiring filmmakers. Advice for people just starting out. I would say the key thing is that it's never too early to want to be a director and to, to pretend to be a director. The sooner you start pretending you are something, the quicker you will become that something and people will start believing that you are that something. You need to have films to point at and say, I directed this. And so no one's going to give you opportunities to make anything until you have that. And so you just have to like, by hook or by crook, start making films straight away as soon as you can.
and uh, you need to start experimenting and learning and figuring out how to do things. I think it's very important at the early stages to be as self-sufficient as possible. I think there are different routes into directing. You know, I had my own way into it. Some people can sidestep into directing from photography or something. And being a director is actually like, it's probably the least skilled job on set in many ways because you can just, you don't have to know anything. You just sit in a chair and fake your way through it, you know? And I think being self-sufficient and learning how to do as much of the post-production and production even you can yourself is really important. And it's really important for any production to have somebody whose sole role is just keeping track on the, you know, quote unquote, like vision and who's there just to oversee, to, to tie all of the, the different departments together and make sure everything is pulling in the final direction and, and to have that final thing in their mind. Because, you know, making a film is like, it's like organizing a wedding or something, but you have to do it in like a week. And you need to have people focusing on different small parts of the process. And that's how it works. But the side effect of that is that they are only focusing on their small part of the process. And that's the only way you can achieve that. And you need that person who's overseeing everything and just making sure that no one part of it is going way off track. Uh, and you it also, you need to be decisive. That's like a important skill of directing as well. Even if you're unsure, you need to be decisive because everybody feels better when somebody is making decisions. You know, you have to bullshit with confidence sometimes. I've never had a massive, massive disaster on set. I'm never worried about things not working at all. I wouldn't suggest something that I didn't think was going to work. But that said, I do favor experimental approaches. And I like doing stuff I've never done before because it's exciting. And the kind of things I get excited about are the idea that we're trying to, I'm trying to make something that you don't see very much. That's what I find exciting. And so in order to do that, you do have to go to areas that most people can't be asked or don't usually go to because it's ridiculous or risky but I find that exciting and I haven't cocked up yet too much like certainly some things work better than others that's for sure but uh, I find it exciting and it's just preparation you know if you're not sure if something's going to work test it this episode of creative lives was brought to you by lecture in progress it was presented by me Indy Davis and the guest was Oscar Hudson the editor was Ivor Manley Lecture in Progress is made possible with the support of a number of brand patrons. They include us two, GF Smith, and the Paul Smith Foundation. For more information, check out lectureinprogress.com.